Lord, we are so thankful for your graciousness to us, for your mercy to us. We um, thank you that we have your Son, Lord. We have your Spirit. And um, we just come to you today and pray that you would um, open our hearts and open our minds and uh, pray that this lesson would um, speak to people and that your word would um, go forth always. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to um, study the, your word together. And we just thank you so much that you've given it to us and that it can help us as we um, <clears throat> walk through this life. And we're thankful that we can do that with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Okay, so the information from this lesson was taken um, from a book called um, What the Old Testament Authors Really Cared About. Um, and the chapter that I took this from on Daniel uh, was written by Boyd Stevens, PhD, who's a professor of Old Testament studies, so definitely much smarter than I am. <laughs> and so this is really his lesson, not mine, but I really enjoyed how he pulled out the main themes in such a way that you can see how the book of Daniel applies to our lives as well. Um, so hopefully you will enjoy it too. Um, I really enjoyed this, this book. I actually have it here if anybody wants to see it. And I know Autumn's been using it as well. It's a nice um, Old Testament survey book. Uh, so if you don't want, you know, 100 plus commentary, page commentary on, you know, verse by verse, but you want kind of an overview, it's, it's a really nice um, book for that. So the book of Daniel takes place in 605 BC as the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem and took Daniel and his friends captive. And it spans about 70 years, which means that Daniel was an old man by the time of his experience with the lion's den um, and his visions occurred. So God showed his sovereignty over all peoples, not just his chosen people, but all nations. And so there are five major themes throughout the book. The first one is God's complete control of human history and human power. The second one is the need to remain faithful to God even under opposition. The third one is wise people can successfully navigate life's challenges. Number four, human pride is evil and results in God's judgment. And number five, God's kingdom will triumph over evil influences. So those are the five things that we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Daniel because we'll be referencing several verses throughout the lesson. So the first one, God's complete control of human history and human power. In Daniel 2.21, it says, he removes kings and sets up kings. So initially it may have looked as um, God did not have complete control. You know, after all, his people were conquered and taken into captivity. But we know from the prophets that we had already studied that God had warned them over and over <laughs> that this was going to happen and then stated that this would happen in judgment of their sin. Um, one statement the author said that I liked was, Babylon's king and gods did not conquer Yahweh. Instead, 
the Lord gave Babylon both the Israelite king and sacred articles from the temple. So in the first part of uh, Daniel 1 verse 2, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. So even there we see God's control over um, their, you know, their uh, being conquered. So there is no doubt that God was still in control of everything that transpired. God protected and blessed Daniel and the others during their captivity. God revealed hidden things like the king's dream, which saved the life of Daniel and his friends. In Daniel 2.22, it says, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. And in Daniel 2.28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And in verse 47 of chapter 2, The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. So though his chosen nation had been conquered, God remained in control over all the nations, including Babylon, and he ruled the kingdoms as he wished, as King Nebuchadnezzar discovered. <laughs> um, when his heart was too proud and self-centered, um, you know, we saw God's um, control and judgment there. Beginning in uh, Daniel 4.32, he said, And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And of course, that is exactly what happens. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. As we see, even foreign gods paid homage to God. We also saw it with King Darius after Daniel was pulled from the lion's den without a scratch in chapter 6, verses 25 to 27. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. 
he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So God's sovereignty continued despite Babylon's dominance and would continue to dominate as future rulers would have power over the people of Israel. So chapters 7 through 12 are written as apocalyptic prophecy using imagery to describe later realities. The vision of the four beasts in chapter 7, the ram and the goat in chapter 8, and the kings of the south and the north in chapter 11 all described future empires that would control God's people during a time framed as 70 weeks. Daniel 9.24 said, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. So even during that time, Israel's um, former dominance would never return, okay? But God showed that he determined who would rule and when. In Daniel 2, 20 and 21, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Okay, the second point, um, or the second theme of this book, the need to remain faithful to God even under oppression. Israel would continue to be ruled by pagan rulers for many years, and would be continually be under pressure to submit to pagan gods. And I don't know if you talked about it, but our group talked about it too, the pressures that we, in our culture, in our country, you know, the pressures that we are under, you know, to submit to things that are not Christ-like. <laughs> so, um, and of course that question, you know, do you give in to those or do you resist? And knowing that their decision could cause extra persecution or even death in some cases. The book of Daniel showed the Israelites that they needed to remain faithful and true to the one true God who was worth serving, whether through life or by death. As Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I love those verses. <laughs> so <clears throat> Daniel and his friends, now this has nothing to do with anything. I don't know how old I was before I figured out that his friends' names were the basis of my dad sending me to bed for years. When it was bedtime, he always said, Ashak, Meshach, and into bed you go. <laughs> I don't know how Ashak came from Shadrach, but anyway, for years, that's how he always sent us to bed. <laughs> so anyway, Daniel and his friends were immersed in Babylonian culture as they trained for service in the royal court. But as we talked about, they drew the line at the foods that they would eat, and God granted them success in their training um, which we saw in Daniel 1.12, test your servant, servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So then, of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the king's statue and to break God's command against idolatry. So they were confident that God would rescue them, but even if he didn't, they were determined to remain faithful. So in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And of course, very similarly, Daniel stayed faithful in his devotion, even in the face of death. The other high officials came to King Darius and convinced him to sign the document that required anyone who made petition to any um, god or any other man for 30 days other than King Darius should be cast into the uh, den of lions according to the law of Medes and Persians, which of course could not be changed. So chapter 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Of course, David got thrown into the lion's den and God rescued him from the lions and provided a testimony of the greatness of Israel's God. So we read of Daniel in verse 23 that no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the result was King Darius's decree in verses 26 and 27. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And of course, history tells us that God didn't save every faithful Jew during that um, time period, but the charge to remain true stays nonetheless. Okay, the third theme, wise people can successfully navigate life's challenges. So in addition to remaining faithful, Daniel provided an excellent illustration of a believer who received wisdom from God, which set him apart from 
others and gave him the skill to handle the difficult situations um, that he was presented. So he, he very tactfully, that's a word I always have trouble with, tactfully, <laughs> not saying it, doing it. <laughs> um, he requested to change his diet and suggested the test that finally won him permission to do so. And the result is found in Daniel 1.20, as we read earlier, um, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So we know that wisdom comes from God, and God granted Daniel the ability to interpret um, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and Belshazzar's handwriting on the wall. Um, in chapter 2, when all the wise men of the king were to be killed, Daniel wisely requested information, time, and then prayer. And I, and I, I love that. I think if we all took that approach, <laughs> information, time, and prayer, um, we would be much better off in our lives. <laughs> And God answered by giving him the knowledge that saved his life and the life of his friends. His um, ability and faithfulness in carrying out those responsibilities, he was found to be um, without reproach. Um, as we read in chapter 6, verse 4, Then the high officials and the satraps brought, whoops, sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel, with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And of course, that repeatedly found him favor with all the different kings that he served. Significantly, what distinguished Daniel and made him so wise was his ever-present fear of God and intentionally drawing attention to God rather than himself. Um, in 2, 27, 28, and 30, he said, No wise men can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. This mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king. Daniel illustrated how true wisdom comes from God and can guide a believer through the toughest challenges. Living in this sin-cursed world, our lives regularly present us with challenging circumstances, and God can also give us wisdom to handle them skillfully. It brings to mind James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without a reproach, and it will be given to him. And then number four, um, human pride is evil and results in God's judgment. And this is always uh, the hardest one. I don't know of anyone who doesn't have trouble with pride at some point or another, <laughs> or regularly. <laughs> Several kings in Daniel demonstrated arrogance and pride and suffered judgment from God as a result. Um, I won't spend a long time on this point because we've already covered uh, most of it. But Nebuchadnezzar was certain that no god could rescue the three Hebrews from his furnace. But then he witnessed their deliverance and praised the god who carried it out. Later, even after having experienced that, that same king proudly boasted about his accomplishments in chapter 4, verse 30. 
And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And in 520, we see the summation of what happened. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. As we know, God made him like a beast until he acknowledged God's sovereignty over him. The king's own reflections are worth noting in chapter 4, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And then we have his son, Belshazzar, who succeeded him, but refused to learn the same lesson, which I'm always amazed a little bit when I read that. Even if he wasn't born at the time that that happened, where his father was made a beast, certainly he heard about it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I would be afraid that the same thing would happen to me. <laughs> but anyway, unfortunately for Belshazzar, who didn't honor God with a humble heart, he lost both his kingdom and his life. Uh, in beginning in five, chapter 5, verse 22, it says, And you, his son Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, <laughs> but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. And of course, we know the days of his kingdom were numbered and in verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. So an unnamed future ruler portrayed as a horn in Daniel's vision would also exalt himself um, as we saw in chapter 11, and the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers, for he shall magnify himself above all. So this would earn him God's judgment. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him, in verse 45. So God opposes the proud, as James 4, 6 tells us. Everyone who is prideful without repentance will suffer God's judgment. <clears throat> and, you know, we have no excuse because we have God's word, you know, and we read all these stories and we know these stories are true <laughs> accounts of history. And so just like Belshazzar, who didn't learn from his father's example, you know, hopefully as we read it, we realize we need to learn from his father's example um, and what happened to him. And then lastly, um, the fifth was God's kingdom will triumph over evil influences, which is the best part. <laughs> God's people would continue to be controlled and often persecuted by other nations. The book of Daniel reminded them and us that God's people and kingdom would eventually prevail. 
So um, we face injustice, we face hardship, but God will be true to his promise to erase evil, to deliver his own, and to exalt himself as king over all. Um, in Daniel 2.44, it says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. In 4 verse 3, it says, How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. And then in Daniel 7:27, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So they are great verses to hang our hats on, as the expression goes, and just to really rest in. The truths um, of these texts are highlighted through the book in dreams or visions, each of which is interpreted. Daniel declared that after one like a son of man came with the clouds of heaven to the ancient of days, he was given universal authority. In Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, I saw in the night's vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Years later, Jesus identified himself with this figure, promising, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven in Mark 14:62. As the Son of Man, Jesus was exalted or glorified through the, the cross and was given all authority in heaven and on earth from the Father, authority to save and to judge, to bestow life and to punish unto death. Those who identify him will ultimately rule with him. To enjoy the future resurrection, <coughs> to life rather than to death, Jesus' Jesus's call and promises are this. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6.40 So those who listen to this call in the presence, even in the midst of deep suffering, can rest confidently in the hope that God's kingdom will triumph, evil will be erased, and universal peace will be enjoyed. Um, in Revelation 21.4 and 22.3, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him basically sums it up. <laughs> so let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, again, we are so thankful um, for your word. And today, as we have studied the book of Daniel and just the rich fullness there and the parallels to your son. And 
as we approach Easter, Lord, we're just, our hearts are full with his resurrection, that he lives and he will be in control of every nation. He um, will be destroyed and he will come and set up his own, um, his own rule here, Lord. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to the time when there will be no evil, there'll be no tears, um, but that we will have um, just a perfect kingdom and a perfect time to worship you. We just thank you again for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>